Welcome to Soul Boat Sessions, the best podcast ever about the two best things ever, miracles that truly go hand in hand, music and fermentation. With every episode, we're bringing together brewers and winemakers and distillers who love music, musicians who love beer and wine and spirits, telling stories and experiencing more than a few songs in between. Soul Boat Sessions is recorded and produced on historic Springbrook Farm in Newburgh, Oregon. We're welcoming in local heroes and touring artists alike to join us in our cozy 1912 cottage studio, talk some shop, sing some songs, and maybe sip some beer or wine and just enjoy a little break. This week's episode, which happens to be the first, features none other than one of the nicest guys ever, Brett Denon, the acclaimed Oakdale, California-raised singer-songwriter of over a dozen albums with tunes like Cassidy, Wild Child, and Come Back Kid, That's My Dog the theme song of the hit NBC show About a Boy. He released his first record in 2004, one year after that signed to Universal. Four years later, was opening for John Mayer, touring Australia, topping the folk charts. It's just been an amazing run from little clubs in Brooklyn to Letterman, the Newport Folk Fest, and countless campfires in between. Chances are you've heard these songs and other jams, and if you haven't, it's really time to check out his insanely hummable records. With the new summer 2023 tour kicking off as we record this across Europe and the United States and a whole bunch of other interesting pursuits he's behind, which we touch on in the show, just so refreshing to meet an artist is down to earth and laid back and you could almost forget he's earned nearly a million followers monthly on Spotify and raves from Rolling Stone on down. So grab a beer, relax, and enjoy this episode of Soul Boat Sessions with Brad Dennett. Well, welcome everybody. Um, Thanks for listening and tuning in to the podcast. We're here with a very special guest, Brett Denon, whose bio is incredible. Consider this voter, musician, singer, songwriter, artist, dad, nature lover, Californian, and outdoor lifestyle maven. I think we can hopefully add beer lover to that list <laughs> of, of things. Um, we're so glad to have you. It's such a huge honor to have you come out to the farm visit this place and uh hope oregon's making you feel welcome and yeah thanks for coming let me ask you a question is this beer that i'm drinking that's a beer okay you do have you heard of people ever say that uh that a stout is not a beer i have you know and that's like that's really splitting hairs right you yeah. know because like it's a style you know um but what does that mean when they say that because i was in ireland f- for a couple weeks and we were drinking every night we're drinking a lot of Guinness and I'm staying at a friend's house and we were drinking Guinness and I said, let's have some more. Or we were talking about, we were arguing about how many beers we were drinking. And he's like, well, we haven't had any beers. <laughs> like, well, what are we drinking? He's like, what, that's what not a this? beer, that's a stout. Oh gosh, yeah, no, it's all a beer. I think so in the UK, in the UK, there's, uh, a, you know. There's ales, of- stouts. And beer? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a sort of a you know lo- local local lore to call um, lager uh, uh, and and beer and and ale and stout as if they were all different parts of a, you know completely different, not part of the family tree. But it's all beer, certainly one tree, which is all beer and ale and lager. But they won't call all of them together as a beer. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's cultural, you know, uh-huh. and um, and you, you get that here sometimes in the US. Really? Yeah, sometimes. Snobs. But- it's all beer. It's it's all beer. Um, and uh, yeah, but they had. So you did you go to Dublin and drink Guinness there? I 
I have done that, yeah. yeah. But that's not what I'm referring to now. This was up in in the north, but okay, nice. A friend of mine had a um a bar in his in his farm. Nice. A pub. A, a pub. Yeah. <laughs> a proper pub. A proper pub. Was there music happening? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I'm not. My memories of pubs in England and Ireland are crowded and loud and like warm and like sometimes some good music, but sometimes, sometimes, uh, yeah, it's a, a little of a little of everything, shall we say? There's a lady that I work with um, in uh, Telluride, Colorado. She's a promoter. She's Irish, and her family has owned this pub for I don't know hundreds of years and it's across the street from a graveyard and it's one of those pubs that you're not allowed to play music in it's just a proper drinking pub so you can't like roll in there with a violin or a guitar and just start singing shanties they don't allow none of that it's Mm. just a place to drink and somebody well, I don't know who it was, but somebody like in the music world or well respected in the music world ha- passed away and had a funeral in the graveyard, and a bunch of musicians and like famous ones like Bono oh. all came to the pub afterwards, and they wanted to sing a song in honor of the person that they were celebrating, and the grandfather wouldn't let him. He kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Breaking the rules, can't do it. Uh-uh. Nope, nope, not for you, not for Bono, nope, uh-uh. nope, no one. Especially not for Bono, yeah, right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. Um, do you have you spent a lot of time in the UK? Like, uh, no, just go there for shows and come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, I want we want to love to hear about this tour. Oh. Um, you've been on the road for a while, you were hitting some awesome ski areas and then up in Seattle and. How's it all going? And, you know, what are some takeaways from your journey so far? Uh, well, I don't really consider it like a tour because I'm not really, I don't have a new album out that I'm promoting. I'm just doing, I'm, we're just out here playing shows, you know, keeping connected with the audience and making a living. <laughs> but yeah. it's been good. I did, you know, the ski thing you're talking about is uh, every year I do a, an annual ski town tour. And I get to ski and play music for ski people. And that's always fun. So I did that earlier this year. But right now we're just doing a few shows here in the Northwest. And then we're going to go to the East Coast and play around a little bit and then go home for a little while. Nice. Nice. That's where uh, I first came across your music through mutual friends and um, got to the got to the shows. And I, I remember seeing shows at Terminal 5 and some other venues and just having so much fun uh, it's been quite an awesome career to watch and thanks yeah really really incredible it's so so cool that you're here and um, it's a big honor for us so really excited um the, but you, you said uh the last record that you had was uh see see the world see the world yeah that's, yeah. that's a cool record thanks i mean i think people really connect to you know that wanderlust idea and the wildness idea and i, I was reading a bunch of lyrics and you know, seeing references to wolves in the woods and going out there. Um, are you still getting out in the, uh-huh. in the outdoors a lot? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part of my life. Yeah. We we split our time between uh, a little town and in the beach and then a little a little place up in the mountains. That, uh, both places are 
abundant in outdoorsiness like whether you're surfing or hiking down by the beach or in the mountains backpacking camping hiking skiing nice when what do you take from those experiences to your music not just lyrically that's a good question mindset or i don't think i mean there's definitely that's a good question i don't think there's like some maybe sometimes i'll have an idea being in nature but i think it's more of an indirect thing i think just your surroundings uh influence you right and they also inform you right like you have you know you sit by a river and you have an idea or you sit by an ocean or something and you're thinking on something and you'll have some sort of clarity you know and if you don't have that maybe it's just taking a walk or whatever but i just choose to to i choose nature as just my place to go to the well you know yeah and i've lived in cities before and you know even when i did that i still would try to get out and be outside it would be harder but yeah. and fewer and far further between but now i just try to make it more part of my daily life but yeah sometimes you know sometimes like i i totally get an idea for a song while being outside on a walk or skiing or on a hike or something like that and so I, sometimes it works that way where it's, it's very directly you just inspiration I, comes and you start working on a song because you got a melody in your head yeah yeah it's kind of like uh well i mean i i think about getting into that hiking state or skiing where you get into kind of a, your your troubles kind of melt away get into a bit of a flow state where you're you know, you're in a different reality. You're not, you, you might be thinking about your problems here and there or uh, about, you know, solving something or other, but suddenly, you know, you, you get warmed up and you kind of like enter a different dimension almost where you, your mind relaxes mm-hmm. and different ideas can come up. Yeah. Um, we, we try to spend a lot of time here at, um, you know, foraging and like finding ingredients and, you know, doing a lot of stuff. Oregon's really lucky, you know, such a great place to grow up and live because of all the, yeah, beaches. I mean, Northern California, too. Where exactly are you in Northern California, where you live? Well, I grew up in the Central Valley, the San Joaquin Valley. Yeah. But I don't live there anymore. Now, when I'm up there, I, I'm up in the, the mountains above, in the Sierra Nevada, in, uh, up on Sonora Pass, in a uh, little town called Strawberry. Is it covered in snow still? Yeah. Oh, my God. What yeah. a winter. I'm, yeah. I'm Second highest snowfall on record. Yeah. Since they started keeping track, Oregon was good too, but nothing like the Sierra Nevada. Like uh, nowhere's nowhere's been like I see people send me things like from Utah, like oh we got hammered two feet and it's still coming. I'm like, dude, California had dozens of storms that were over four feet, just over and over, just just pounding and pounding, filling in, filling in. I know. Oh, it's scary. uh, you know, it's um, apocalyptic. It, it's a, but it's like such a thing as too much snow, right? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, definitely. It's, yeah. Uh, houses and cars buried, and people spending the night in cars. And which is then what happens with the snow? Does it stay cold and there's a snowpack, or does it melt really fast and just start rushing down the mountainside, taking everything with it? Yeah. <laughs> no, there there were inbound avalanches in Alta um, and Snowbird this year, and like it's, is that it's where you ski there? Uh, I've seen Snowbird. I've never been Alta Alta. Yeah. It's my one of my dream spots for sure. It's the center of the universe for skiing for you me. Think so? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. Have you ever seen that video? There's a video that someone 
posted that went viral and that's like a three dog night tune and like it's it's called like powder skiing all to 1974 or something Mm -mm. it's so awesome and it's like super eight footage and these guys are shredding on long skinny ass skis and they're just killing it in like wasty powder and it sets such a vibe like oh yeah take me in a time machine to all to 19 well it's still like that Uh, skiing in it's like when you get to alta it feels like a pastime like it's just the culture is still it's still that the skis are different maybe but the attitude hasn't really changed and they don't allow snowboarders there and it's very quiet mm-hmm. and it's not you don't you're not looking at advertisements or there's not music blasting out of a lodge or anything it's just nature low key yeah, yeah. and it's right up there on the crest of the Wasatch Mountain Range um, I had a friend recently go to to Alta every year he tries to get me out there and we you know we're some you know one of these years we're going to make it but twice in a row he's had the interlodge experience where it starts dumping so much that the road gets closed mm-hmm. no one can come or leave until the road is reopened yeah. and they're just like and then if the ski area opens then yeah so for people who don't know what we're talking about there's there's only there's these two legendary ski resorts that are right next to each other in what's called Little Cottonwood Canyon which is 45 minutes away from Salt Lake City. You just drive straight up into those mountains and there's only one little road to get up there and you can't, it's not like a mountain pass where you can just keep driving over the mountain. It's just, you drive all the way up this little canyon and you drive all the way out. And oftentimes, like multiple times during the season, there'll be so much snow that they lock the they lock the gate and people can't come up. But the people who are up there already are stoked. You're stoked. <laughs> the definition of stoked. Yeah. Can't leave. Um, oh yeah, one of these days we'll make it up there. Well, um, b- back to beer for a sec. Sure. You mentioned your dad homebrewed, and like, did you have a formative beer growing up? Like, you know, everyone tastes remembers their first taste. What was your first taste memory of beer? Like, oh, probably the first beer I ever drank was um, probably a Coors Light, and I just remember it being kind of bitter. My dad was, um, he was, yeah, he was really into beer. He brewed, he always said that he brewed beer because you couldn't get good beer. And that's why he stopped brewing beer because you could start getting good beer in the 90s. You could, like mid 90s, like you could get everywhere you go, you, you know, the brew, the boom or whatever. I don't know what happened, but breweries were just everywhere. I mean, I remember like being a kid, if he would buy, like he would, he was a carpenter and, on his way home from work, he would crush a couple Coors Lights, <laughs> and that would be. And then he'd throw them in the back of the truck, <laughs> through the window, no, open up the little, sh- thing, throw them back there. So I used to pick up the cans and fill them up with water and pretend to drink them. But, but if he was like buying beer for the house, he wouldn't really ever do that because he said it's like pointless. You can't find good beer. But if he did, it would be like Anchor Steam or ESB, something or ESP, 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 yeah. Red Hook, right? Red Hook, yeah, yeah that was a big, big. He would one. get that, and like those were really the only craft, or I don't even know if you call them microbreweries back then. Those in like Sierra Nevada were really the only things that I remember when I was a kid that were like beers that he liked. But then I do remember there was a time in the 90s where you could just get, like, you know. He used to take, he and his best friend would go on beer trips. They'd go backpacking in Utah and hit some breweries on the way. Good way to go. Yeah. I mean, 
like uh, you know, finding a local beer. You know, whenever you're on the road, chances are you're going to look at the tap list. You know, you're going to be like, what's local? You know, I mean, for me, it's just the default. I want to know what people are drinking, why they like it, and um, that's part of the fun of travel. You yeah. know? And there's so many more beers now, though. In the yeah. '90s, there were two or three. It's overwhelming how many beer. Like, everybody's a brewery now. Every it, everywhere you go, every town's got a freaking brewery with a freaking line out the door people are like <laughs> in their chairs like what are you doing it's a lot it's waiting true. waiting I mean, waiting waiting for the can yeah i mean <laughs> there were you put it in perspective there were like three or maybe 400 breweries in the u.s when i graduated from college in 96 now there are nine thousand in the united states <laughs> just an unbelievable flowering i mean you could the population's grown too but you could say that you know, a, a, you know, a lot of different factors led to that. But, you know, it's like food, the food world. You know, people want good bread now. They want good coffee. They, you know, every, anything that was a commodity is now a specialty. You know, even salt in Oregon, mm-hmm. people like use a local salt. You know, it's, it's awesome. I, uh, I know, wonder if, like, you know, after 9-11, there was, like, a whole movement of, like, when the president then said, like, don't go travel to Europe. Don't go on these trips. Stay here in America. I don't know, could be, this could be total bullshit, but, like, I wonder if that started to set the tone. Like, let's just make our own places, like, more vibrant. Let's have That's breweries in our own little town. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Portland was, like, really the one of the homes of, like, the craftier thing. And I think, like, cheap real estate, there are a whole bunch of old warehouses that people could rent and get in there and, like, start their thing. And you mentioned Red Hook before up in Washington, you know, those brands were... I think it's just tapped into sort of a, 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 a huge, you know, like overwhelming need for people to get away from like mass corporate crap yeah. that has overwhelmed the country in every way. So mm-hmm. fortunately, not all of them, you know, some come and go, but, you know, there's still many breweries that open in the 90s are still around. But, yeah, I think it just was like there's a yearning, it's like a natural yearning for wilder and more authentic flavors and more interesting flavors maybe and the, i feel like the food world really parallel to that I, I think the 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 booziness has something to do with it too yeah <laughs> like people yeah, wanting beer it. with more alcohol than I budweiser mean, I, I, would, I would say that's true for sure i mean part of it but for us you know speaking for wolves and people we definitely are on the like a, on the lighter side we you know, go for lower abv beers but um, drink more yeah. of them What's that? You can drink more of them. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like once to be so, it's sociable, you know, um, for just holding conversation, playing music, doing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's low-key around here. That, that's my plug for how moderate everyone is at work and people. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, but seriously, most of our beers are under like 6%, 5%, you know, and like Bud Heavy, the classic is 5%, you know, so most of our beers. The beers we're, we're, right now we're drinking Cara Stout which is 4.3%, like literally the same ABV as a Coors Light, but mm-hmm. you couldn't even put them in the same universe uh-uh. flavor-wise or any style in a Coors Light. So, um, yeah, the Silver Bowl. I had the same Coors experience <laughs> as a kid. My parents were like, oh, the only beer that is worth getting is Coors. We got it and put it in the trunk of the car and drove it over the mountain pass, and we brought it home, <laughs> and it's like this rare thing, you know. And we believe that. And, you know, to the, to the extent that it seemed like this incredible you know, kind of like, you know, Excalibur has come to the, you know, the stone and it's the, it was just a mass corporate beer already, but yeah. it had, it convinced people successfully that it was. Yeah. And the marketing is, and there was, I think it, the light version of Coors and Bud had just come out too in like 80 or 79 or 80 or 81. I think they started making 
Coors Light right then. Yeah. And people must have just been like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll still drink a banquet beer once in a while. Like, you know, at the Sprite setting, you know. I, I'm not, you know, it's nothing against it. We just do different beers here, you know. I'm like, you know, but, uh, yeah, 36 packs of, like, the Silver Bullet is not, not my jam anymore, but. <laughs> never was. 18 packs <laughs> oh, 18. yeah okay 18. okay okay you got me yeah um anyway yeah that's that's awesome so um and on your travels you have you played at breweries before you mentioned like performing at some venues maybe i don't know if i've ever well i've played yeah sorry i've played at breweries before there's the sierra nevada brewery has a venue i've played at in chico there was another brewery in Chico I used to play at too. Butte, I think it was Butte Butte Brewery or Butte Creek or something like that. Had a wild show there once at their Christmas party. And I'm sure I played more. I don't know. I forget. I'm sure I played lots of breweries. There's some there's definitely some awesome venues coming up, those the two you mentioned. And then there's there's one in Montana called Kettle House that I've never been to, but uh, I've heard through the grapevine as one of the like amazing outdoor amphitheaters now oh yeah um i think it's outside of um missoula maybe or mm. yeah i wouldn't say missoula but kettle house a you know state-of-the-art um a very successful local brewery just you know they were, are in love with music and um put it together you know um big sky also is a brewery that has a venue that yeah. i to to see wilco i before. used to play you probably went with me brad the the one in santa fe the santa fe brewery uh, santa fe brewery yeah I remember. Yeah. With the band or yeah, with the band. That was fun. I lived in Santa Fe for a year. I've heard that's a good venue too. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, speaking of, is there anything that you might like to uh, play from See the World or any other? Sure. I could play See the World, or I could play, I could play a new song that's going to come out in a, a little while. Not, awesome. not, not like a little Unreleased. while, but like. Yeah, unreleased. When okay. are you going to release this? Okay. So this is a new song. It's called Cutting to the Chase. Pieces with an insult 
Reflection of the old in your hand I'm cutting to the chase Welcome. So cool. Oh, so nice. To cool. Um, wow. Keep playing if you want to. Uh, uh, yeah, please. Be a nice guest. guitar. Thanks, dude. Um, I found that in the thrift store. If you can believe it. It's got the V neck. Yeah. The finger style neck. It's a little. And it was it was it was neglected and probably living in some under a bed for a long time and got it got it fixed up. So. You know what year it is? I do. It's 
and uh, an estate sale or a guru sale. So, you know, and so I got a luthier to pick, you know, set it up and, um, yeah. Anyone need a beer? I'm good, thank you. I'm drinking the Nels, I don't know about the Nels. Anyone, anyone, we're good, we're good? I'm good, good. I mean, you don't have stout out here, huh? We got the Latrupe. We do have Latrupe in here, yeah. What's that? Yeah, that's the truffle stout I mentioned. Yeah, yeah let's have some of that. Yeah, Brad, you got to try that. I know, truffle stout, I might have a hole. Let me just... It's slowly yeah. Le truth, le truth, like le chouf. We just, we just canned it. So, last week. I like the, I like your new song too, the, the seagull song. That's a good one. You like that? You want, you want to try the truth as well? Yes, please. Five percent. Dude, it took me so long to, to play that. <laughs> and it. And I dumbed it down too because I was trying to, what I was trying to do with that Lindsey Buckingham thing where he plays two different singers, yeah. Where he does two different uh, rhythms. Yeah, um, can we So I was trying to go. And then instead of doing this, right, that's all the same rhythm. I was trying to do uh, where. It, I was trying to do it like that, and then play bass. And then play. Yeah. I could not figure it out for the fucking life of me, and I quit every time I could, I can sit on the couch and kind of do it if I stare off in the space. I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to do it. Live. So then I just dumbed it down. That was such a cool song, Brett. Like, um, did you say this is a new song? And yeah, it's new. Where did it? Where is the inspiration for this tune come from? And I was just. Um, we were working in the backyard and I was just strumming on the guitar and like I didn't, just cutting to the chase came to mind and I don't often write songs this way, but I was like, how can I build a song around that cutting to the chase? And I didn't know what to do until I had the line, um, what was the line that I had? Uh, oh, cutting to the chase, picking up the pace. I did, they, those came easily because uh, they rhyme, but uh, the dragging my 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 baby says that's something that she says to me all the time like I drag my feet so when I said that I was like oh, okay now I know what the song could be about this could be like about you know like a sh someone telling you or the signs are telling you to shit or get off the pot kind of thing yeah so that's really all this. take action yeah move yeah uh -huh. yeah I, yeah that is so nice I, I, you recently you uh, you became a dad did you not. Yeah, well, he's almost five now. Five, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Oh, that's how's how's it going? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I I have a five year old. He just turned five. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. It's hard. Yeah. yeah this is the picture of him right there. Um, yeah. Um, you know, let's tell. Um, do you find that you are inspired to write music by yeah. the new reality you live in? Whoa. Funky, huh? Dang. You like it? <laughs> is that truffles I'm That's tasting? Truffles. Is it the same stout, but just with truffles added? Or? It's, it's a different beer, actually. Uh -huh. So um, if I may, to just explain the spirit yeah. of La Truffe, uh, it means the truffle in French, and, you know, fancy French word, but La Truffe. Uh, it is a beer that we call a table stout, so low, low ABV stout with a little bit of lactose, which is milk sugar. And then we take filberts from the farm, 
and we infused them with white truffles. Uh -huh. um, for the first time this year, we put it in cans. And this beer, the, the idea with this beer is all about like, uh, I'm so glad you, that you wanted to try it because it's definitely a beer about foraging and seeking and being in the woods and finding things and looking under, mm -hmm. you know, looking under the surfaces of things to, to dig deeper. And um, it, this is a beer we poured before we were even open at a beer dinner and um, came up with this with our former head brewer, Jake Miller. And, and like, it, it, we poured it at a truffle festival dinner, which is like truffle maniacs. Like people will travel around the, the country to drink uh, or to in, eat. In Oregon? Eat. Yeah, it's here in Oregon. It's called the Oregon Truffle Festival. And we approached them and said, can we make a beer with you? And then, well, we'll hook you up with some truffles. What do you, you know, how are you going to get them into the beer? So th this became a, uh, a process of trying to dream up you know, dream up that process of oh, how do we get truffle into a beer? It's a fungus. You can't just add it to a food. So we came up with a way to infuse the truffle aroma into hazelnuts, mm -hmm. um, which are fatty and have and the know, oil. Yeah, through the oils. So uh -huh. the, the truffles never touch this beer. But the, what do you do with the? You just put them in a jar with hazelnuts. We put the truffles and the hazelnuts together. Oh, it's top secret info. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm gonna have to turn off the recording. <laughs> No, we talk about this all the time. It's uh, it's not not that crazy. We take the truffles and the hazelnuts and seal them in an airtight container, uh -huh. and the truffle aroma sort of hitchhike into the into the nut. The fat, and then yeah. later we we brew the beer and then rack it, i.e., transfer it onto the filbert. Yeah. And then I keep and we we say we uh, we we grow filberts, but we sell hazelnuts. It's like a marketing term, kind of. But anyway, we get the hazelnuts in there on the beer and then the aroma of the truffle comes back out mm -hmm. and there was an innovative way to make a beer yeah. and so it started as a five gallon homebrew at this little dinner cool. thing and now we make it once a year so yeah. this just came out in cans and then week. you eat the truffles after you take them back out of the container the that's true they're still good yeah, yeah they can be you know they go into their dinner parties and wherever else but you know we don't see them after that um generally well actually andrew here who's our producer he took the truffles and what did you do with them Hopefully you'll have a little truffle patch down a there. Truffle patch. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So that's the story of the truth. And you mentioned earlier you were asking about yeah, inspirations from the soul boat and things that's on the on the label in a teeny little tiny way. Oh yeah. Place. Yeah. The boat's on the label. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. But anyway, so cool, man. Truth. But back to the song and, yeah. and, and dad, fatherhood and touring is uh, you know, do you, do you find that like inspiration or the challenges or I, I don't know I don't know where I'm going with this I know that being a dad running a brewery and you know all the demands of life are diff difficult but um, well it's difficult but it's like on one hand I want to work harder than ever because now everything like the first thing that happens when you have a kid as you know is like you realize you're like you're not the most important person in your life you know Someone right in front of you is more important than you. And they matter more than you do. And their happiness is more important than yours. Their well-being is more important than yours. So you, you think about, what do I do? What do I bring to the world? Okay, I know what I do. I have a profession. I want to work harder at it. Yeah, you want but, to lean in. You, yeah, you know, I hate that phrase provide, in the way it's overused, but you want to... Yeah, I hate that phrase too. Like do the lean in, what you know how to do. Um, but yeah, 
But then what I do takes me away from the family. So oh, it's something to grapple with. It's always hard to leave and it's always hard to be home thinking about leaving and planning tours or shows to play. Yeah. But it feels good when I'm out here to do it because I know that it's meaningful. You know, there's a purpose to it all now. Yeah. And sure. I never had a purpose before. I was just an artist. I was just a guy who like made up songs and thought they were meaningful. And, you know, I would, I close myself off a lot to people's reaction to it. Like, obviously I pay attention if people like a song or they don't, but if people would get a chance to talk to me about a song or my music and what it means to them, I would listen, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I never really took it to heart. I think because I didn't didn't want it to mess me up in the head, or I didn't want to like think about it as a responsibility, or like do I have to keep making songs that people like, or what? I, I just never really took it. I don't know why, but I never really took it to heart. Mm. So I never really felt like I had a purpose other than just me doing it as an artist. That's but that's now it. I feel like I have a purpose because I'm doing it now because I have a child. That's that's really so profound in what you're talking about, that distance between your artistry and what you're sharing with the world. But I, I would say on the other side that anyone who knows your music and the protest music and all the, you know, like beautiful sort of like lyrical pushing back against corporate and sort of like the degrading, you know, kinds of progress, quote unquote, that have come along to set humanity backwards I think that you've, I mean, honestly inspired so many people in a very deep way. Um, and so I'll hopefully you feel that too, because like definitely illuminated a lot of people's, you know, protest spirit and their, you know, passion for standing up against injustice. Well, I, it's not, I think maybe I'm not saying the right thing because obviously I want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it. I mean it. But <laughs> obviously, I want to hear that. But it's like that's not why I do it. I I do it. I write songs because I'm just a creative person, and I'm gonna do something creative. And I'm, it turns out I'm gonna be a musician because that's just what I got really into, and that was like the most fun I had being creative, you know. But. When it comes to writing songs, I just choose to write things about like what you're talking about or the human conditions. What I think I write a lot about is just, you know, things that people struggle with. And um, there was a time, though, where I was really into like just, you know, f starting to write songs fresh out of college. Like I was really into writing anti-establishment type things. There was a time where I was really into that. Now I would say I'm more into writing songs about outcasts or people who are on the outside of something you know like or Brad was talking a second ago about a song I have called Seagull like to me that's a song about somebody who's not in the place where they belong kind of and that's just the phase on that's just what I'm writing about right now so obviously I want to hear I want to hear people say like oh you inspired this or you but it's not why I'm doing it I'm doing it because I'm creative and it's the feeling of writing a song that I like that got 
everything I wanted out of to get out of me out of me so I can like I made something that feeling of doing that is way more gratifying than people telling me and I often found that people telling me something about a song I don't want to say it has like a negative impact on me but it just pulls me away from the feeling I want to have. That's interesting. Because you, like you said, you've delivered it to the world. Uh, I remember a famous quote from Jerry Garcia when someone said, well, don't you mind all these people taping all your shows and stuff? He's like, no, I'm done with the music. I put it out there. When they can take and do what they want with it, I want to keep going, keep yeah. being creative and going on. I love that idea of that. Like that's, he, he's a vessel for ideas and creativity and, and his music and songwriting. But like what happens after that is kind of, you know, uh-huh. okay, what, take take what you will. Yeah, so he sounds like he's even more further along in the idea that I'm trying to get to. You know what I mean? Like he's like more full steam ahead with that line of artistry. Where it's like I'm, I think I'm on that. I think I'm kind of in that same yeah. line that he's in. But I like the idea of being a, uh, the a writing and thinking about outcasts. You know, one of my favorite songs, Sydney. And, you know, I'll come running that idea of like, I'll, I got your back, you know, and when you have a kid and uh, when you're, you know, um, I don't know, looking out for the underdogs just uh-huh. in life and in general, it's like not enough people doing that these days, I think. Yeah. Like, have you dealt with any like bullying or anything like that? Just, As a brewery? Or no, with like your kid. Of my kid. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's too young to yeah. have been bullied, really. But um, yeah, he will be in kindergarten soon. He's been at nice schools, but. You know, um, he's a really unique kid, and I, I you know, we're, that's one of my biggest fears is you know other kids being jerks yeah. to him. So my or wife him and I being really a jerk like, to another you know, kid. We, we want to look out for him, and we've got his back. You know, yeah. <laughs> really, it's like you know, that's the that's the like you said, your your priorities change. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. How about you? With my kid being bullied? No. No. Oh, what? Well, the underdog. Is oh, bullied, yeah. No, I mean, I I definitely, I always side with the underdog, for sure. Unless it comes to, like, tennis, then I always want, like, the, the best tennis player to win. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody sides with the underdog, usually. I think that's a common, that's a common thing. And it's like a, I mean, I wrote that song, Comeback Kid and Sydney, because they're both kind of, like, about sort of the same ish even though they're two totally different songs with ne- different narratives but they're both kind of about the idea of like standing up against you know believing you know standing up against something and I come back kid even more specifically I just always thought that like that was something that everybody could relate to yeah yeah I was listening to it the other day I love that tune so much and it kind of reminded me of I, for whatever reason, I was thinking of me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Uh-huh. Well, I'm some a Paul Simon, Paul you know, Simon fan. The idea of being like a kid and being little and like, you know, scrapping around with your friends and that feeling of being like, yeah, you know, it's a righteous feeling. Yeah. That song is brilliant. It's like got to be one of the greatest. Well, all time. It's like you never know. Like they, he never even says what they did. <laughs> or like, what did you and Julio do down by the schoolyard? <laughs> what happened? Like, does anybody ever asked him? Has anybody ever like tried to figure that out? <laughs> Good question. Um, <laughs> um, 
Awesome. Well, is there anything else that like you feel like you might like to to play or share with us, like from your travels, anything inspiring? Oh, no, I don't know. I mean, I think we. I played Portland last night, just me and a guitar, and I did it almost exactly a year ago. Oh wow! Same theater, same setup. And a year ago was 22. And so we were still kind of coming out of pandemic. And it was like, I remember after the show last year when I played it, um, I remember thinking, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know if I should do that again. Like it just seemed like it wasn't all that it could be. The the crowd was light and the crowd was kind of, dull not really into it it seemed mm, like sorry to hear like that. I was working but I think last night was so good I mean the crowd was crazy they were freaking screaming oh, awesome. and it was packed and they were like and just like great energy from the people and I think that's just ever since I started touring again after the pandemic I would notice that in um, the more like blue progressive places I would notice it was just harder to get crowds to come out. People were still like not sure. Out from the, Whereas yeah. if you guy go play in like Idaho or something, it'd be bananas. Just that cultural difference. And um, I feel like, and for, for good reason, right? It, you know, it, people are educated and they I think the last have few make years. their decisions for whatever reason they do. And it's just like, I feel like now it's kind of, getting back to a place where people are like, all right, let's be ourselves again. Did you write music during the pandemic? Like uh-huh. hold up? Uh-uh. Nope. Uh-uh. We, Not we, at all. Uh, yeah, if you, that, that was such a like cliche in a way. Like, yeah, I'm going to become a master bread baker or I'm going to do all these things. And <laughs> I like, did that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I didn't bake any bread. <laughs> He's freaking out half the time. Yeah, I, I was, was, I, that's probably why I wasn't very creative during pandemic. I was just, it, uh, I was too it, scared. Very bad for the beer industry as well, especially this place. We, you know, we were closed for months, and yeah. But you know, looking forward now. I mean, I think yeah, yeah th- maybe some great works, uh, uh, you know, writing and music will will emerge someday. But you know, everyone else is now just focused on getting back to normal. So I'm glad. I'm glad you had a good crowd last night. That's really. It's cool. great. It just felt like I get the point I'm trying to make though. I just felt like it's it's better than ever now, in a way. Like people going to see live music. Is- yeah, I remember the the first show I went to after the pandemic or amid the pandemic was an outdoor uh, amphitheater show and a, it was a bluegrass show and there was the the mood in that and the crowd was just uh, you know one thousand you just couldn't you couldn't compare it was contagious right people were just like thank God we're finally outside we're finally back together yeah and you did your vax card and everything else but um, the mood was it was a uh, it was infectious for everybody it was so fun and. You know, but still, still people are coming down with things after shows and this and that. But um, yeah, it now feels like we've all learned to maybe incorporate and move on. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's not as like the red sky is falling kind of feel yeah. that we started with as much. But it's still out there. But yeah. So when you when what's next for you? What what do you, uh, where you're headed to Eugene, to the Wow Hall, right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, 
good memories. Eugene is always a fun town. I've seen so much good music there. And uh, what's next for you? For you and the well, I got my. I started this thing. My lady and I started this thing last year called Camp Dinan. Okay. It's like a. It's a. It's like a camp for adults and families, all ages actually. It's like a retreat. It's like a unplug, disconnect from your life, and go up into the mountains for five days, four or five days, and have an experience. Build a, build community with each other and disconnect from your stuff at home and your your typical life, and sort of remember who you are by just being in nature, tuning into the nature, and um, feeling that shift that kind of happens when you're. And you allow yourself time and space to just breathe and pay attention to your surroundings and bond with other people. And then try that, keep that with you when you reintegrate back into your normal life. That sounds amazing. So we're doing that. We have that over, we have two sessions of that coming up next month. Where does it take place? It's in a part of the Sierra Nevada called the Lost Sierra. It's, um, nobody knows about it really. It's, um... <laughs> yeah it's just not it's not as a famous part as it's actually pretty close to Tahoe but it's north of Tahoe in the mountains still and yeah people come, I mean they, they're coming from all over they fly into Reno and they either rent a car or they car ride share and they come up and when they get there we just run it like a like a summer camp that sounds so cool that sounds just like Really, really fun and yeah, relaxing. And yeah, there's a small group. So it's a small like, group, and there's of course I'm playing guitar and singing a lot, and we're going on hikes and doing crafts, and I teach a watercolor painting class and do campfire sing along communal meals. We do wellness activities in the morning. Every day's themed, so it's kind of like driving in the point of um, it's kind of like letting go of who you think you are and just trying to reconnect with who you really are. That sounds really quite amazing. You, so painting, you're doing some watercolors, mm -hmm. right? That's so nice. Yeah, thanks. Um, and so people that came to camp, what is it called? Camp Denon. Camp Denon, nice. <laughs> um, they're painting and doing some, yeah, yoga. And yeah, hiking. and I mean, this year we're going to even try, we're going to step up like the kitsch factor a little bit. Okay. So we might have like archery or something like that <laughs> <laughs> nothing could go wrong and we're looking yeah what could go wrong yeah. <laughs> we're looking for some apples and to put on people's heads oh that's classic that summer that feeling of summer camp though so i went to a music camp for many years in the summer it was the best feeling you know a bunch of kids for up to a month hanging out uh we were at a college campus and we played jazz orchestra different stuff you know but it was really about the feeling of being there you uh -huh. know no one listens to the music anymore yeah. you know, all that all that was in the moment it was all uh -huh. about just being there with the people yeah and that that being feeling away from like home a little freedom a little yeah uh summer camp and that's camp. what it's all about right because i i went to camps growing up entirely different it wasn't music camp it was up even like more remote even more cutty like high alpine summer camp and uh very different experience, but the same experience. It was really all just about being away from home and sort of like 
breaking away from that, finding your independence, and then looking around and seeing that everybody's having that same experience and it's a shared experience. And so you're getting to, you can either reinvent yourself or you can really try to tap into who you really are or show different sides of your personality, but you're also bonding with people and you're believing in them and they're believing in you and you create this this lifetime connection. Even if you never see that person again, you're still connected because you went through that experience with them. That's so cool and so lacking today. You know, we are like social media was supposed to unite us all, right? Make oh, us less lonely. Yeah. But actually, everyone's more isolated than mm-hmm. ever, and more in their own little cone of yeah. cone of tech silence. You know, I, and so I getting hate, together I face to face media. is really what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, you're, you you couldn't be more right. How do people find out about Kemp Denon and all all of your music? Social media. I mean, where? Um, well, Campton, I mean, it's a dream. It would be a dream to be able to uh, um, bring Campton into more people, but this is only our second year. And okay. we've gotten amazing uh, feedback from it because every time we we announce a weekend and put it on sale, it sells out really fast. It okay. sells out faster than like my concerts do wow. because what you're saying, people are, they're, they're, they're craving something. You know, a chance like people want to get away and do something cool, and some people just want to go to the mountains. But if they get to do it with a musician they like and a bunch of other, you know, um, that's that's really special. But uh, I usually just use announce it on my website or social media, or I have an email list too. But you can just go to brettdenon dot live. That's my website. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we will definitely share that, and you know. Um Hope everyone who's listening to the podcast will check out the site, the camp, all of the music, all of the great past records, including the latest and everything coming up. Are you going to, can you talk about any upcoming recordings or are there any other projects in the works that you can share with us? Well, that song I played before is going to just come out on its own as a single. I'm going to release another few songs just on their own. I've been recording a lot, but I haven't been thinking about making an album. I've just been thinking about making songs and putting them out and seeing like if that is a way to do it. Because you know about the music business now. It's all up in the air. There's no rules. Like some pe- people still make albums, but some people don't. Some people just put songs out and I've never really done that, so I'm going to try that. So it's so wild, right? Like some, some, suddenly whole giant projects are just released on Instagram or something uh-huh. rather than the traditional or semi, even semi-traditional roots. It's like, oh, it feels very new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I have a really sharp, um, great memory of hearing um, the Femi Kuti collaboration, Make You Go Crazy, and that hearing that for the first time as a, as a collab and just like, um, it was John who's played it for me on his phone, I, you know, and, and it was like, you can't tell anybody you heard this yet or whatever, you know, I think it was unreleased. And we were standing in the kitchen, he's like, this is such a jam. You got to hear this. And I remember sitting there listening to it in my kitchen in Brooklyn and we were both like, you know, looking at each other like, holy shit, this was, it was so great. And, um, that collaborations that I've noticed on your, on your site, you've got a few recent recordings that are collabs and. Um, I, I imagine now might be a fertile time for you know those kinds of things. People are just mm-hmm. open. It feels yeah. like yeah, and but the music, the business has changed so much that it's like 
that conversation in the kitchen would be different. It'd be like, now it's like, you want this out. You want someone to leak it. You want to be there and you want to be somewhere else with this. You want to be all over the place because there's just so many places to get music now. It's true. Well, is there one last tune you want to sure. leave us with? Yeah. What do you want? Oh, man. I, 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 I don't know. You got to pick one now. I do? You pick one oh. now. Man. Um, I think you know what I was uh, I was playing your recording of Wild Child for Tail the other day I mean is that is that something that I you, can do that you, oh he would love that he would love that so much okay this is Wild Child for Tail I am a wild child yes I am I love the country and I, I wanna run free and I sunshine with you by my side I am
you. so much. That was awesome. I can't wait to show him that. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. What's he doing right now? Is he at oh, preschool, man. kindergarten? What's that? Is he at school? No, it's Saturday. What's he doing? Right now, he's at the Camellia Festival. What's that? It's a little thing in Newburgh. It's actually a big thing. There's like thousands of people there. Yeah. Um, it's like a run and a walk, and it's all about camellias. It's what they grow here. So, yeah, it's a nice thing. And, um, yeah, um, that we were hoping to bring him to the show last night, too. And, it just it didn't it didn't it didn't happen. But he loves music. He brought us some shows, and he he's he's very like he loves music, and he kind of lights up when you know, when, when we play stuff for him. And yeah, sometimes he's like, "Daddy, no guitar, no guitar." You know, I'm like, yeah. You know, but other times he's like, he'll come over and like put his head on me, you know, and it's the best, you know. He's he's great. So, oh, thank you so much for that, Wild Child. You're welcome. Amazing song. Thanks. When did you write that song? For, for two, 2011, 12? It's maybe? awesome. 2012? It's, uh, it's awesome. Know, somewhere around there. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks so much for being here and part of this. Like, we're really thrilled that you could make time in your schedule. And um, we hope everyone will make sure they check out the tunes, check out the records check out the site camp then and all the good things you have going on thanks for fighting cool. the good fight and like thanks, man. keeping people you know thinking about the important stuff you know because we're, it's never been more important um and we are really 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 glad that you made it so thanks again and safe yeah. travels thanks for uh and letting us into your little world here oh we're, we're doing we're, a beautiful we're, thing thank you the flowers driving up the drive all those daffodils really beautiful overwhelmed by the daffodils we, it, and the beer's good too thank you thank, <laughs> thanks a lot my dad will be glad that you said that he planted them all so yeah the meadow so safe travels thanks for listening and um good luck down the road okay thanks cheers likewise so about sessions is brought to you by wolves and people farmhouse brewery in newburgh oregon brewing experimental distinctive and delicious farmhouse and wild ales since 2016 like Honeycomb, Instinctive Travel Saison, Oregon Beer Awards, Gold Medal Winner Traveling Companions, Crush Pad Pilsner, and many more. Look for our handcrafted beers across Oregon, distributed by day one, and at great bottle shops in the following states so far. Colorado, North Carolina, Virginia, New York, and more to come. Bulls and People Farmhouse Brewery, which is open Wednesday through Sunday every afternoon and makes the ideal spot to gather with friends over a picnic and some delicious brews with hyper-local ingredients. Look for the weekly bluegrass jam every Thursday. We are Wolves and People. We are wild and sometimes shamed. Come run with us. Sold Out Sessions is recorded and produced by Wolves and People Farmhouse Brewery in a tiny but mighty 1912 cottage with old guitars on the wall and an ever-dwindling collection of fresh beers in the fridge. The show is lovingly recorded and produced by none other than Andrew Kay, who plays a mean guitar himself. So follow him on Instagram at Andrew Kay. That's K-A-Y-E. I'm Christian DiBenedetti, your host and co-producer, and not coincidentally the founder of Bulls and People Farmhouse Brewery. And we would like to thank all of you and the following amazing folks for making this podcast happen. First and foremost, Brett Denon, thank you for your time on the farm. It was simply magical. Old friend John Ishak of McManagement in Brooklyn, New York, and everyone on Brett's team and at home and on the road. Martin Guitars for making the 1947-18 you heard on this episode. 
and follow us on Instagram at Soul Boat Sessions and let us know what you think. Send us rants, raves, and if you're really feeling the love, some $2 bills via Venmo at Wolves and People. That's A-N-D-P-E-O-P-L-E. We'll take your ideas for new episodes, corrections, complaints, odes of praise in the form of those $2 bills. And if you're an artist or manager and you want to appear on the show, by all means, send a smoke signal to podcast at wolvesandpeople.com and tell everyone you know that loves music and beer and all forms of fermentation. There's finally a podcast for both. So keep listening. Thanks for your time. Keep the strings warm and the beer cold. And we'll see you next time on the Soul Boat Sessions. 